As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Welcome to the Hawks Talk podcast. I'm Pat Boyle from CSN. Mike Sai with Jamal Mayers. Before we get to this week's episode, if you can't get enough of Chicago sports, visit Chicago's own Vivid Seats to receive 10% off Blackhawks tickets and all other sports, music, and entertainment. Go to vividseats.com slash CSNshy. So it's the Hawks Talk podcast. Blackhawks fall in San Jose by a final count of 3-1. to one. Your thoughts, you know, they kick off this six-game road trip post-All-Star break. And, uh, you know, pretty good game. Uh, you know, how, how would you characterize it? overall I thought they played a smart game I thought they played a a good road game Um, obviously coming into it uh, the goal for them was to play a consistent 60-minute game I thought for the most part they did that they just weren't opportunistic the power play didn't cash in they took too many penalties Uh, I thought Corey Crawford was strong and uh, overall I think this is something to build off of I thought that they had a good four-line rotation and uh, Forcing looked good in his return. So um, uh, there's nothing to hang your head about. They've got a long road trip ahead of them. But I think that there's some really good, really good positives that they can build off of for the next one. Let's talk about the offensive output or lack thereof here. I mean, Joel decided to change three of the four lines prior to this game. And I think a lot of it is focused on the to find some consistency on the Taves line. Uh, tonight it was Nick Schmaltz and Marion Hosa out there with Taves. And, you know, we saw him put Panarin up there at times and knock Schmaltz down. Uh, your thoughts just on what they're trying to do and what you saw from, from Schmaltz, Taves, and Hosa? Well, I think going into it, I think Joel and his staff, my assumption is that they realize that San Jose plays four lines. And... You know, not having the last change, how can we get a balanced lineup um, that will allow us to play four lines as well? And I think that switching it how he had allowed him to do that and kind of protecting Schmaltz in the same sense and taking advantage of his main attributes, which are offensive-minded, and putting him with two very, very, very good defensive forwards in, in Taze and Hosa. Uh, would kind of, you know, hide some of those deficiencies in his defensive game. So, uh, and he has a high upside on the offensive side of things. So, I think that's what the thought process was there. I think it was at the expense of pa- Richard Panic, who, in my opinion, had played well uh, when he was with pa- pa- uh, Jonathan Tays. So, uh, time will tell. But I still feel like Panic is that answer. And you know, I'm not the coach. Uh, I-, I think that. Joel knows what he's doing, and they'll figure it out. You know, maybe you know, maybe he realizes, you know what? We already know that works. 
let's figure some other things out to try to get a balance in our lineup. So let's uh, further look at the uh, the rest of the lines. I thought, you know, you said in the pregame show you wanted to see some at least some energy from the bottom six. And, you know, I thought we saw that at times, whether it was the hartman hinnestros Carroll line or whether it was Rasmussen, Panic, and Desjardins, you know, Rasmussen ending, I think, a 17-game goalless drought. Um, so you did. What, what did you see from the bottom six against San Jose? I, I like their game. I, I think that the Rasmussen played extremely well. I thought they had a lot of zone time. Um, my thought by suggesting that in the pregame was the fact that coming off of a break, it's going to be too much to rely on the top end guys forward wise to play 22 minutes, 24 minutes, and contribute and play at such a high level that they do mid season. Coming off of a break, you're going to need the collective. I thought they brought a lot of energy, create a lot of zone time, create a lot of chances, actually scored a goal as well. So anytime you can get contribution from your fourth line, that's always a positive. The unfortunate part of that is they did get caught out there on the game-winning goal on an extended shift, and you know they did get scored on, which is unfortunate. But for, I thought for the most part, they did bring a ton of energy. The, uh, the game-winning goal in this contest uh, scored by uh, uh, Thomas Hurdle. Um, you know, it was a play where, and we saw it early in the game, where, you know, Marlowe's first goal that was waved off was, you know, kind of using the boards to their advantage. Now, that one got a, a fortuitous bounce maybe off one of the stanchions, but it looks like Brent Burns on the game-winner is purposely shooting wide and you know, hoping for that type of rebound to, to create an opportunity in front of the net. Yeah, no one, no defenseman purposely shoots far side wide. So when they shoot short side wide, it's usually for with a purpose. And in my opinion, Ryan Hartman was doing a, a valiant effort trying to get into the shooting lane, which he always does. Brent Burns is a smart, savvy defenseman who understands that. He decided to not get the shot blocked like he had earlier in the first period that created a breakaway for Hartman. He shoots it wide instead. Puck bounces off the near side board. Corey Crawford's not quite certain where it goes. It goes underneath him. Joe Thornton taps at that puck over to Hurdle. He backhands it into the empty net. Uh, and, and there you have it. That's And then they get an empty net goal. So a real unfortunate break with less than two minutes or two minutes left in the game. So, you know, that's how it goes. You have to be opportunistic. I think they'll go back to the drawing board and be upset with the way that the power play wasn't able to cash in. They had their opportunity. I'm not sure how much time was left in the third. They did have a chance to turn the tide on the power play, and they weren't able to cash in. Yeah, what would you think about that power play? They were 0 for 3. The last power play on the, the, the takedown where Kane had the breakaway um, that led to well, first of all, did you think that should have been penalty shot or I mean obviously he gets back up does that no because he ended up getting back up and takes a shot shot so, so I think that nullifies, nullifies it. it okay um, your thought on that it looked like they got some decent looks I mean uh, Seabrook had some big shots from the point with some long rebounds but again a lot of perimeter stuff only an Isamoff is in front of the net he's doing his best to you know screen. But there really is nobody inside the dots for any, any loose change. It's easy for me to say. I think anytime you can get a shot from, from Brent Seabrook uh, as a former penalty killer, 
from the middle of the ice, that's a great shot. You're going to create a lot of action. You're gonna, how many times have those gone in? in that instance so those are great opportunities that's what you want you want to get set up and you want to get the shot from the middle no better guy to shoot the puck than him um having said that a little bit of a wrinkle maybe a down low play or a high tip or something to create some action because they did such a good job of blocking shots Uh, i'm not sure how many they did block but you've got to find a way to get to show different things whether it's low plays whether it's high tips um they're always going to be expecting the Panarin one time. They're going to expect Kaner to walk off the half wall. Sometimes it's okay to give them a little bit of the unexpected and, and do a high tip or make it a little bit more challenging for that net front D to not just think he's going to front every shot coming to the net. San Jose, by the way, had 21 block shots. The uh, the Hawks had 22 in the contest. One thing we talked about on the pregame show is, you know, what are you looking for on this six-game road trip? And the choice is for the live fan vote were, you know, more consistency from the Taves line, production from the bottom six, Corey Crawford to get back on track, uh, more puck possession as a team, and the last one was wins. On the Corey Crawford getting back to the way he was before the appendectomy, I thought tonight was a, was a step in the right direction. That save that he had on, on uh, uh, Timo uh, Meyer. Uh, in the second period when it was a one nothing lead in, in favor of San Jose, you know, it's a two-goal deficit and, you know, it might be lights out with the, the offensive struggles the Hawks have had. He seemed to me, I thought this was a really a positive step in the right direction for Corey. Yeah, I mean, he may not see it as such, but there's no question. He was challenging the shooters all night long. He was aggressive when he had to be. He was tracking the puck and, ma- and making sure he controlled his rebounds. He was handling the puck extremely well. He was doing all those trademark things that make him a, such a great goaltender under high pressure. This game was 0-0 for a long time. And he kept making save after save. It just heightens the importance of the next save. Now they're down one nothing, and they get a breakaway. Not two mu- two minutes later, makes a huge save as you mentioned to keep them in the game. They're able to make it one one. So it's not just him making those huge saves. It's the timeliness that he continues to show. And for me, that was a fantastic sign that his game is certainly back in order. And I sh- he should gain some confidence from that effort. And a last point before we look at some big picture items with Stan Bowman addressing uh, the media prior to the game. Uh, Gustav Forsling had been down uh, in Rockford, uh, back in the lineup uh, against San Jose. What did you think of, of Forsling's play? I thought he was fantastic. I mean, I think that he, in a tight checking game, which you weren't sure what kind of game to expect, against a team that you know, expects to do well in the Stanley Cup uh, playoffs in the San Jose Sharks that has a four-line rotation that plays a heavy game. He was consistent. He was strong. You didn't really notice him, which is a positive. Uh, there were, you know, no glaring defensive errors on his part. He, he played with confidence, made good outlet passes, protected his position as well when he would had to. Uh, I thought he was very strong all night long. I think his this was a step in the right direction for him. Um, you didn't see the offensive side that you're going to see eventually from him, but I thought he played a fantastic game. Coming up, Stan Bowman addresses the activity we may or may not see from the Blackhawks before the trade deadline at the end of February. That's next. This is the Hawks Talk Podcast. 
It's sports. It's social. It's viral. It's Luke Stuckmeyer and Layla Rahimi, and it's the Next Generation Sports Show. In the loop every night at 6.30, 10, and 10.30 on CSN Chicago. And as soon as the show ends, turn to Facebook Live for the after show. Back on the Hawkstock Podcast, Pat Boyle with Jamal Mayers. Uh, we just broke down the, the Blackhawks' 3-1 loss to San Jose. Before that game, Jammer, uh, Stan Bowman talked to the uh, Chicago media uh, that travels with the Hawks and discussed um, some big-picture items. Obviously, we're a month away from the, uh, the NHL trade deadline. Uh, Stan, in a nutshell, said right now it's a quiet market. That's in large part because there's so many teams still in the playoff mix, um, and you know people don't want to be sellers if they're two points out of the wild card spot. So some things will sort out there in the upcoming weeks. He also said he's not expecting to make uh, any major deals this year like he has done in years past. Uh, he said the difference is he's got some dynamic young players that have had some chemistry on this team and, um, you know, he's looking to, to see how that melds and, and maybe go for the fight for the cup with the current roster. You, you know, you, you hear those comments from Stan. What was your initial takeaway from kind of what he had to say in San Jose? I thought it was a very honest uh, approach to make makes perfect sense what he said. And it didn't felt, feel like he was going to hold back any of his cards. He's certainly aware. Last year, there was four teams clearly... Uh, that uh, there was several more teams that clearly were out of the playoff picture around this time of the year. Now there's 10 additional teams, you know, that that have a chance to, to make the playoffs. And so certainly, how would they? How would that look to their fans if they start selling some of their players when they are presumably four or five points out? Even though they have to leapfrog five or six teams, uh, the optics aren't very good for that. So, uh, having said that, I think Stan will certainly uh, and his staff have shown, and they, they will overturn every stone to make this club better but I agree with them I think that uh, they've had some young players that that have played extremely well that the answers may be within their own locker room and within their own organization and that their play will dictate that in the next coming in the coming weeks so let the players make the decision they'll make the evaluation whether or not this is a team that can compete for the Stanley Cup which I think they are and as always, they'll t- attempt to make it, make the team better. But as you know, very difficult in today's market to make a trade. Typically, you have to look for expiring contracts. Uh, you've got to make sure you can fit it under your salary cap window. And there's a lot of moving parts. How are they going to fit into the team system and what we're trying to accomplish? And the other part of it that we already mentioned is, do we have that answer already lying in front of us? Yeah, and, and I think that's the, that's the big question. Um, and... You know, like we talked about in the first segment of this podcast, we thought that Panic and Hartman had showed some chemistry and that Taze had elevated his game prior to the All-Star break. And I thought he, he played well. Um, I thought he was certainly the first two periods. I thought he was really noticeable on the ice against San Jose. It seems like, you know, if you're just trying to break this down, the Kane and Isamov Panarin line, you know what you got there. Um, it's, it's what you need to do to get more production from the Taves line. And John's been going through, you know, it's been one of those years for him. Uh, I think Hosa, you know, he's moved 
whether it's been third line or top line, Marion's Marion's had a pretty strong year. Um, you know, finding the consistent young player to play with Taves is that a is that easier said than done? I mean, it seems obviously it's easier said than done. Yeah, but honestly. You know, I think from the outside, that seems like the easiest approach is let's just fix that. But at the end of the day, Joel's trying to make sure that he's pl- he's putting out a lineup where he has four lines that can compete and he can play role four lines. If he fixes that line and feels that he's made his overall lineup weaker, that's not what he's t- trying to accomplish. So I think there's a bigger picture we may not necessarily appreciate as fans, and I put myself obviously as a fan in that in that uh in that realm so i think there's other factors that are are mitigating and you know maybe they're just trying to let it happen organically let's see who's going to take that spot all right maybe their thought is maybe let's we've we've seen what panic can do in that situation we've seen what Harp, let's see what uh what schmaltz can do maybe let's see what they can do that's his offensive game let's see if he can raise his game a little bit so you know, maybe they're going to try to see if that works itself out, and if it doesn't, they already know that. For me, for me, a Hartman and Panic was working. So maybe for Joel it wasn't, mm-hmm. and maybe it was at the expense of his whole lineup or not having the four line rotation. So um, the nice thing is we get to speculate about these things, and and at the end of the day, uh, their play will dictate who gets to play with them. But for his sake, for Jonathan's sake, I hope he gets a consistent line line that he can feel comfortable with and work it out if it needs to be worked out and have good games and maybe have a couple bad games right. and then go on a run of good games but i think that he wants and needs consistency at some point uh as we head down toward the playoffs and i'm talking 10 games from now yeah more of a sink or swim thing like like we've determined we you know it's been three or four months we've tried several different combinations you know what? This this is the one we're going to go to fight. We're going to go to war with, and and let's you know go through the ups and battles that normal lines do. You know, um, I think that's been one of the reasons why we've seen the the rookies elevate because there hasn't been a quick hook. Uh, but but the Taves line, it does seem to be a quicker hook than most places, just because it's a it's a focal point. It is, and it and it should be. Obviously, he's. The captain, and he's the the he's the player everyone looks to, and you know when his offensive numbers aren't where people think they should be, there's always speculation. Well, what, what's going on with his line mates? So, at the end of the day, a lot of these things uh, don't become as important when you're winning. So let's just get back to winning hockey games, and I think, like I said, that will all sort itself out organically. So no, another five games on the road for the Blackhawks. They only have three games at home. The entire month of February, uh, their first game in the month of February will be Thursday night. That will be uh, in Arizona, and then on Saturday they will travel to Dallas to take on the Stars, and then they will play Wednesday at Minnesota. As we tape this podcast, uh, the, the Minnesota Wild now have a six-point advantage over the Blackhawks. They've got a few games in hand. That will change once the Hawks have their uh, their five day mandatory bye week. Uh, you know, when you look at the teams that this that the, the Hawks struggle against, is there is it they struggle against 
the fast teams? I mean, what, is there, there a matchup issue that you look at big and fast or, or you know, how do you, how do you see it from a, a matchup perspective? What, teams give the Hawks the biggest fits? Well, it's a copycat league. So there's more teams that are, because they've been the benchmark for so long, teams are kind of trying to emulate what the Hawks have built and are doing. So the the, the margin for error is, 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 is becoming smaller. So it's going to be more difficult to beat a lot of teams, quite frankly. But for me, uh, it's when they play f- teams that are have a little bit of size, that play with, uh, play quick, and force them to uh, not allow them to exit the zone cleanly. And to do that, you got to be able to skate. And I think that if you have that and you can backside pressure them, which there's a lot of teams that can skate now, I think that's, the, that's what poses the biggest challenge for the Blackhawks. So um, I think when teams try to bully them in the past, teams try to run them out of the building, they'll eat you apart. And uh, their game changers are very special people and players. And they all find a way over the course of uh, a playoff series. Okay, so with the this road trip continuing, give me a couple things you're looking for for them to iron out uh, as we get now. We're at 30 games left in the regular season. Yeah, let's let's get some consistency in our game. I thought it was there for the most part against San Jose, but you've got to get W. I, I, the power play has to be able to cash in. I thought the penalty kill was good. I know they allowed a, a penalty, uh, a power play goal, but I thought for the most part they they were really good. They had some huge kills at the right times and key moments, and I liked the way that they were killing penalties. So for me, it's just you know getting out there and getting a little bit of a lead, yeah. and then playing the full sixty yeah. and not stopping. And better third periods. Like, I mean, that's one thing that I think. You know, early on in the season, we kept saying slow. They were having slow starts, slow starts. But if it was equal or tied, or they were even down, we we're like, you know, third period they owned. The third period in the last month, they have not owned. That's true. So you know, you dam up one area and fix one area, and then the other one starts leaking. So um, uh, I'm still not concerned. I, I think they'll sort it out and. That's what teams go through, and maybe it's a good thing they're on the road. Great stuff, Jammer, as always. Uh, we will see the Blackhawks next in action. You can catch the game on CSN Thursday night when they take on uh, Arizona, and our coverage will begin at 7.30 on Blackhawks pregame live. Can't get enough of Chicago sports? Visit Chicago's own Vivid Seats to receive 10% off Blackhawks tickets and all other sports, music, and entertainment. Go to vividseats.com slash Shop. That'll do it for the Blackhawks podcast. Thanks for listening. I'm Pat Boyle. I'll see you next time. Some people just know the best rate for you is a rate based on you with Allstate. Not one based on the driver who treats the highway like a racetrack and the shoulder like a passing lane. Why pay a rate based on anyone else? Get one based on you with DriveWise from Allstate. Not available in Alaska or California. Subject to terms and conditions. Rates are determined by several factors, which vary by state. In some states, participation in DriveWise allows Allstate to use your driving data for purposes of rating. While in some states, your rate could increase with high-risk driving. Generally, safer drivers will save with DriveWise. Allstate Fire and Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois.